Hey, everybody, and welcome to Today's News Tonight, the weeknight news show where we're joined by special guests and our lovely patrons to discuss the day's gaming news. I'm your host, Ash Paulson, and as always, I am joined today by my wonderful friends and GVG co-founders, Steve Bowling and Derek Bittner, as well as our very special guest, Hungry Gorilla, which I will be shortening to HG for the purposes of this discussion. <laughs> HG, how's it going? We're so glad to have you here. Things are good here. It's very cold where I live up in Canada, and we're keeping nice. warm best we can. It's finally starting to get a little bit mild out, so that's been great. Nice. I very love it's nice. like deciding that it's getting mild. I'm like, uh, <laughs> although I was very excited that, hey, it's 70 degrees today. That's weird. I'm not used to that. <laughs> where we, we finally got some rain in LA again overnight and it's been like windy and stormy today and I'm looking out the window right now pining for all the wind I see whipping through the trees so like see HG being an Angelino I, I for some reason even though I was born and raised in SoCal I love cold weather love it I love snow rain sleet ice hail wind all of it but we don't get any of it here so I'm just that weird Angelino when it starts raining I'm out there in my t-shirt and shorts just soaking it all up literally i guess in this case but <laughs> I, I i i am jealous of the cold weather you you have much more often than i do here yeah well we cracked we cracked freezing the other day and there were people out in the street and skateboards and shorts and it was just unreal for the first time since about november so it's been quite a turn in the weather i'm really grateful because it's been a long winter <laughs> all things considered right, mm -hmm. right. sounds awful well <laughs> I think the beanie I'm wearing provides some hint as to at least one of the things we'll be talking about today. But before we get there, uh, we have a word from our sponsor uh, for today's episode, who is Chip Damage Mike. Uh, Chip Damage Mike and we would like you to check out Mike's YouTube channel, and uh, here's what he has to say about it. Hi, my name is Mike, and I win all my fighting game matches via Chip Damage. <laughs> I am also <laughs> I love that. I am also plagued by being interested in too many things. Movies, comics, manga, anime, video games, toys, and all nerd culture have their hooks firmly embedded into my brain, and I just want to talk about it. Over on my channel, Chip Damage Mike, we look at rare, weird, and valuable games on all platforms, ranging from oddities like the Neo Geo Pocket to the big ones like the PS4. I'll also be going over toy releases from companies like First Four Figures, Figma, and Kotobukiya, as well as discussions on where to start on big franchises like Yakuza or Final Fantasy. I want this channel to be a positive force where enthusiasts and collectors come together over their shared love of nerd media and culture. So get hype, and please click on over and subscribe to Chip, to Chip Damage Mike on YouTube, and let's have some fun. So yeah, uh, let's if we can, guys. Let's get Chip Damage Mike to at least a hundred subs, if not beyond. I mean, we did it for Game War, but I think we can do it for Mike as well. I think I think totally we can possible. as well. Yeah. And okay, looks like you guys already pinned a link to the channel in the chat. That's awesome. Um, Chip Damage Mike, thank you so so much for your generosity and sponsoring tonight's episode. And uh, we hope we're able to get a bunch of subs to your channel. And uh, like I said, everyone in our live audience, everybody watching the VOD version, please check out Chip Damage Mike's channel and drop a like and a subscribe. And uh, we'd really appreciate it. Sounds With like fun said, because I'm into... I also suffer from being into too many things and not being able to <laughs> just have yeah. find, having trouble finding the time to do, get into all those things. I like anime. Right. I haven't watched anime in a long time. <laughs> I like movies. I haven't seen a movie, new movie in a long time. It's it's, it's rough. Yeah. Well, you're <laughs> also, a father now, so keep waiting. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and Mike, I mean, I love fighting games like you do, but man, playing against you sounds like a pain because if you always win by chip damage, that would that would annoy the crap out of me, man. <laughs> that, that takes um, a remarkable level of skill to win all your your fights via chip damage um it I, does. I watched 
a bunch of your videos, Mike, if you're out there watching, and I love them. I, I saw uh, a bunch of your Saturn collection stuff, um, showing off just a bunch of really obscure stuff that frankly makes me a little jealous. So if you want to see a really cool <laughs> collection of, of really cool games, uh, he, he's got a lot of good videos on the channel for you to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of games, you guys, oh, yes. Yeah fucking bunga because <laughs> here we go i got my beanie my wrath beanie i got a Don, donatello right. beanie next to me okay so here we go dot emu the developer behind the amazing streets of rage 4 as well as well, tribute games. well no oh. i think it's published Sorry. it's being published by datemu 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 excuse me i don't Is think it's dot emu I oh, okay. I thought they were developing and publishing along no, with it's, I think it's, As far as I can tell, only Tribute is okay. doing the development on it. Well, so. either way, Dottie Moo is involved, so mm -hmm. here we go. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge has been announced for consoles and PC. It's got it's a four-player beat-em-up with pixel art. Uh, it's published by Dottie uh developed by Tribute Games, who is making a retro-style platform, like action platformer called Steel Assault, which I checked out, and it looks awesome. Uh, but you guys, this is, I mean, this is the story of the day. Uh, HG, we know you're super into retro games. You're all about retro games. So let's start with you. How are you feeling about this new TMNT four-player beat-em-up that just got announced? I was watching the trailer a while ago, and I was actually quite excited just to see the animation and the throwback to kind of like the 80s cartoon stuff. I kind of wish that there had been a bit more game in the trailer overall, like they just sure. kind of stuck it in in the mm -hmm. end. But from what I saw, it does look pretty promising. Um, my spouse is really into Turtles in Time, and it looks like it's going to be a good throwback to that whole thing as well. So it, it's going to be great. I think people have been really waiting a long time for that game to come around, and it's finally here. So that's great. Yeah, it, the animation, you know, it's a great time. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, the animation captures such an era. Like, you can see that there's a lot of stuff that pops up. It's like, oh, yeah, it's that from that game. Oh, yeah, it's that from that game. You, like, it, it captures those moments or those cool th elements to it. And it's just like, my God, this looks amazing. I, I don't think I've watched a new trailer this many times in a, in a long time because it just completely sucked me in. And it being by Tribute Games... Uh, is is a good sign because they they were the ones who did Pan Panzer Paladin, and while not all the systems of that game clicked with me, it's a great retro throwback and a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah I, I mean everything about this is just pure nostalgia, right? The the the, the music, the op the opening animation, the 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 '80s cartoon style turtles. This is obviously based on the original cartoon, which is mm -hmm. super exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, I have so much hype for this and so much love. Uh, and of course, you know, it's being brought to us by, like you said, Derek, the same people who worked on Pandra Paladin, the same people who worked on Streets of Rage 4, Windjammers 2. I mean, the the development pedigree here is exactly what I want it to be. And this is a good time to be a fan of beat-em-ups, which is not something I mm. thought I'd ever say in 2021, because, you know, beat-em-ups have been an underserved genre for quite a while. But now we've gotten Streets of Rage 4, we got Scott Pilgrim re-released, and now we've got an all-new TMNT four-player four brawler. But Steve, I know you have a lot to say about this too, man. So yeah, man, let I, me have it. I am so excited for this. Uh, one, that trailer is like one of the best video game trailers of all time, in my opinion. Uh, the the music, which unfortunately I couldn't play during the stream due to copyright, but um, right. <laughs> the, the animation in that trailer is everything I ever wanted from Ninja Turtles. And then when you see... It, like HG said, there's not a ton of gameplay there to dissect, unfortunately. But what you do see is really, really damn nice. 
I mm. I love the sprite work. Um, it it same. It's not. Um, and again, I know it's not developed by dot emu dot emu. However, you say that. <laughs> I always imagine a <laughs> pixelated bird when I read their name. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's not developed by them, and you can tell that immediately because the art style isn't really their in-house art style that they use. Like mm-hmm. for Streets of Rage, it's just not the mm. that kind of really HD uh, 2D art that that we have come to know from them as a developer. Uh, but I mean, it makes so much sense when you see it because it, it's still beautiful sprite work. It just is more evocative of retro gaming. Like it's pixelated it, you know, but in a very intentional looking way, like it looks like it, it is very much trying to evoke the feeling of playing turtles at the arcade when we were kids. And I, mm, right. I'm here for it, man. I am oh, same, man. I, like, I've never seen a trailer for a game I didn't know about and just been like, yeah, whatever, whatever you're going to charge for that, I'm paying it. <laughs> I'm already uh-huh. sold. My wallet's open. Just just pull out however much money you need for it and give me my copy, please. Thank you very much. It, it's one of those things where uh, it, it's, it's sort of like Shovel Knight, they, where they, it's like enhanced NES. This is definitely enhanced SNES and just mm-hmm. really captures that aesthetic. And I also like looking at like, Maybe it's it's at a TV studio, so that might be why. But that TV TV studio shot totally just gives me Sonic Mania vibes, which uh, is like, okay, yeah, I'm good with that. Nice. Um, and there's just so much to really look at this and grab from it and really get excited because, you know, they got the Mausers. They got these shots of Krang <laughs> in the background at all times. Of course, they got Bebop and Rocksteady. Uh, I, I, I have... Uh, the under talked about here the the TMNT three uh, uh, Manhattan, Manhattan project, project, where I don't think I ever reached this Triceratops guy in the game, but he's in that trailer. Yeah. Uh huh. And this there's the surfing bits. There's like it feels like they're taking elements from all of the TMNT beat 'em ups, not just like Turtles in Time. They're really combining all the elements and making this almost the ultimate Turtles game, at least based on that era of Turtles. And I am so there for it. <laughs> it. It really just captured the imagination. And it really also seems like April and uh, Splinter will be playable because for my money, the most beautiful shot in that entire trailer <laughs> is Splinter running along the sewers yeah. and then taking out the Mauser. That it's is freaking so cool. beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I hope at, at a bare minimum we get April, Splinter, and Casey Jones playable. That That's oh, what I would like to see. That would be cool. For sure. Um and I, I also just like how they're not going to – they're giving us exactly what we want with it in terms of like you – know, Turtles in Time is a great game, but it's it, it's obviously pretty far removed from like the, the core focus on just fighting crime in New York and the Foot Clan and all that. I just – I like that they're – it's Shredder's Revenge. We already know Shredder's the villain. It's, you know, taking place in New York. They're not going too wild with it. It's just a core Ninja Turtles beat-em-up game. And, man, I, I am so excited. Um, HG, we haven't heard from you in a bit. Uh, I have to ask, of course, as we as I have to ask anyone when we're talking about the turtles, who is your favorite turtle? Raphael was my favorite growing up. Yeah. Like, I had the Christmas nice. stocking of him. It's still at my parents' house. And uh, my sister really liked Michelangelo. So we still have those two hanging around. But, yeah, I always just liked his kind of badassery a little bit. I found everybody else was kind of meh i don't know like i'm not a big donatello fan and i'm sure that the rotten tomatoes Ouch. will come out after <laughs> me. i know uh-huh. i know <laughs> but i don't know something about him and just how he was always calling everybody else out on their bs it was great mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i related a lot 
Nice. No, no, I mean, uh, Donatello's my personal favorite. It's, it's really close. And it, people always say, okay, well, my, my favorite is Donatello, Raphael, close second. People are like, well, that's because of your dad. I mean, yeah, there is that. But I actually, I actually really just like those turtles the most as well. Like the fact that Donatello fights with the bow staff and he's a big nerd. I identify with both of those characteristics. I've always loved the bow staff as a weapon. Um, not that I use it myself. I'm not trained in the art of, <laughs> of the bow staff, but I love watching <laughs> watching people fight with it. And I just love he's he's a big tech nerd. And then there's of course Raphael, who's just the the sarcastic, you know, angry, brooding one, depending on which incarnation you're talking about. But uh, yeah, I love them both. My dad happened to voice them both, which is super cool. Um, but I'm also just a massive TMNT fan removed from that. And I could not be happier that this game is a thing. And this is just, when I woke up to this news, I was just this smiling from ear to ear. Like this is the 20, 2021 content I am here for, man. I am. I'm so happy. I've got to so say uh, ditto M in the chat says uh, Ash canonically fights with a bow staff. Agreed. That is, I'm, I'm <laughs> there. I'm okay with that. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I was going to bring this up as well, but Arduino pointed it out. Uh, I really like the fact that it doesn't look like a Turtles in Time again. It isn't a Sonic Mania style. It is actually looks fresh. And I love that they ha- all have their own run cycles. Yeah, that, that's a really Same. good attention to detail. Um, and, I mean, there's a lot of attention to detail. They're in that office space, and they have all the uh, foot soldiers uh, at the desk, and they just rip off their ties before they jump into the fight. Um, it is... I, I don't know. It, it's that pure just amalgamation of all the titles while still being something new and fresh and exciting. And please, dear God, let this have online co-op. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah, it's got to have online co-op, even if it is just two players like streets of rage Four, maybe not four players still. I just hope there is online co-op and that it's good. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to say that I'm, I'm about 99% sure it will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, I think you and I may have heard this heard, heard from the same some of the same stuff. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. So I had yeah. I had heard from somebody close to the game today uh, because I'm mm-hmm. good friends same. with somebody close to the game uh, who indicated to me that it it uh, shouldn't be a problem to play with friends in different locations, uh, which is why uh, I was not so subtly hinting that we should stream this game with she says from Boundary Break <laughs> because I'm <laughs> yes. pretty confident we'll be able to do that. Yeah. So of course, you know, that's not official confirmation, but it but it does seem like it's probably on the table. It so. would also be a really weird choice not to when exactly. we can't leave our houses. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, although we don't know when this is actually coming out. Um, they, they just says more news coming soon. And my tweet about this was, "How soon is soon? I need to know how soon is soon. I need I need this game now." Um, yeah, as, as you can tell, my, my hype is through the roof. Also, uh, I guess just a quick, oh, okay. Oh, I was going to address Steve G's question in chat about my dad voicing some of the turtles, but it seems as though the chat has already explained that. So yeah, I'm yeah. Your to... dad is famous. We get it. Whatever. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody cares. Hey, I don't need to, I don't need to, uh, explain we, it, which is good. We, we love you, Rob Paulson. Please come on the show. You're famous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we finally figured out the, the context under which we can get my dad on because I, I've been struggling to figure that out. Right. Like he's not going to talk gaming news. I mean, he would be willing to try, but what, I mean, he's just, this is not really his jam. So, mm-hmm. but this, I think we can talk about and yeah, I think this might be a good, I wonder, I wonder to, if the game will use. try to get him on. Huh? Invo- I wonder if the game will try to get him involved or just leave it non-voice acted. 
You know, that's a good question. I, I was I had meant to ask him if he had heard about this game, uh, and I just haven't had a chance to text him yet because I've been busy today. But I'm curious, because it's clearly based on the 80s cartoon, I really hope they're getting everyone back. My dad, Cam Clark, Townsend, like, I, I hope so. That'd that be interesting. seems like the, the kind of, you know, fan-focused thing they'd want to do with a game like this so mm-hmm. who knows uh Nick, but Nickelodeon's the also involved yeah and also Nickelodeon of course all, is also involved as the current IP holder of TMNT so I'm sure they have a say in this as well yeah and uh the other thing is given the presentation of it it can totally get by without it I mean it has that oh, totally feel can. I'd be willing yeah. to read dialogue in this game it, it would feel authentic it right. would it would uh, right. earlier totally. HD I think when we were talking about online multiplayer you were um about to say something Oh, no, I was just in agreement because I know there are a lot of games that come out that don't have that kind of compatibility and it's it gets to be frustrating for people. And I think if you're really trying to cater to folks and get kind of the best reception out of people, then that's an absolute must, especially in today's current climate, right? Given mm-hmm. the state of the world and all that's going on, it would be silly not to go with some online multiplayer. Real, I real think so, quick. too. I want, I want to ask you a question because your your primary focus is is retro gaming, like really, really retro gaming. Like Ash was mentioning, you know, the PS2 and PS1 being considered retro, but you're like legit, you know, <laughs> 80s retro, 80s and 90s. Um, so do you find it uh, frustrating these days, you know, since the pandemic started as somebody who primarily focuses on playing couch co-op only games, like pre-internet era games? Uh do you find it frustrating that it's potentially more difficult to find multiplayer partners? I know you said you have a spouse, um, but, you know, I know, for instance, like, I, I miss being able to have my friends come over and, and have a couple beers and play games uh, in the comfort of my own home. Uh, I'm wondering if, if uh, the pandemic has kind of made that more difficult for you or if you're just kind of going along doing the same thing you've been doing. I think it's a little bit of both. Like, to be quite honest, my spouse and I, we have very different interesting games he's more into mmos or some of those like those war games where you control armies to do stuff and i'm much more into (laughs) rpgs or platformers like 8-bit 16-bit generation um so i've always really just been kind of a solo gamer just in the essence of that but one thing i've really found has helped a lot especially during pandemic times but also like i've been on twitch for five years live streaming there so that aspect of bringing kind of gaming like single player game experiences to an audience and having that type of interaction has really even taken off since the pandemic hit because it's a new Mm. venue for socialization that I just I've always had but it's become so much more important lately given the current state like in my normal day-to-day I don't know a lot of other people that are into gaming so I would never really invite people over for a video game session even in a, a normal time but yeah, having having the live streams and having a community to kind of bounce ideas off of and chat with while I grind away in the seventh saga for a gajillion years, like <laughs> seventh saga, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was a very nice game to play with friends, and that's always kind of what my motto's been. It's always nice to have those opportunities to pass by time, not sitting alone staring at a TV on my own. So, so yeah, I can't say mm-hmm. the pandemic has really changed that for me, but it's. It's become an enhanced activity, I guess, to give me that social interaction that I wouldn't be having otherwise. That's really cool. I sure. I, I have to ask, though, one one question I have, because I, I, I became aware of you through a Kotaku article 
uh, that mentioned some really cool stuff you did, like miking your Dreamcast so people could hear the loading sounds, which to me was just the coolest <laughs> so idea great. that I've never heard anybody run with. So, um, but I want to know, like, when you're not streaming, when you're not, uh, you know, playing for an audience, do you play on a CRT or do you play on a modern set? <laughs> Always a CRT. So my spouse, nice. he's kind She's of a, a real one. He's a big. <laughs> My spouse is a big tech guy, right? So he loves PVMs like professional video monitors, um, BVMs, broadcast video monitors. He's super into CRTs. Like we've hauled a few off the side of the road and brought them home and cleaned them up. Um, He's just so into that stuff. So by way of our mutual hobbies meeting up in gaming, right? Like he's more of a Mm -hmm. PC person. I'm much more of a console person. But he's been so excited just to be able to tinker with CRT TVs and like learn how to hook everything up to it like because with the professional video monitors and stuff they use rgb input which we didn't have in north america so it's this whole other realm of like nerdery that he can just dive headfirst into (laughs) and so when i when i stream or even when i'm playing on my own i have a a 25 inch sony trinitron uh, pvm that i sit down and i play off on a couch so i don't stream at a desk and i don't play video games at a desk like my game room whether i'm using it on or off stream is a couch and a TV set six feet away. So it's nice. uh, it's as wow. reminiscent of childhood as I've been able to make it. That so is, that's been that kind of nice. The that's so great. I, yeah. I mm-hmm. actually recently, like in the last two months, went looking for a CRT. Um, I, I talk about my good friend John Linneman from Digital Foundry all the time, and he is like the most high-profile proponent of CRTs I know. And so he convinced me that I needed to see what the PlayStation 5 looked like on a CRT. And I went thrifting for like two straight days just trying to find any CRT of any quality out there here in Arizona. And I could not find one. I was really saddened by that. I hope someday I'll, I'll be able to get one. Uh, but apparently they, Could they you even short hook supply. up a PS5 to a CRT? Thir- <laughs> oh, John's got a method. <laughs> really he, he, <laughs> of he course tell he you all about it if you let oh him. god yeah um, but yeah there are, there are definitely ways i actually recently for that famicom video was trying to hook up my famicom to my oled which would have been really fun but the famicom died so i've got to replace uh, that yeah that sucks <laughs> oh well um that's a bummer eduardo mm-hmm. tain in the chat mentions they're a huge fan of the added online for the nes and snes games on the switch so am I, and I was just thinking about that uh, that copy of the Manhattan Project that Derek was just holding up. What a cool tie-in it would be if they if they were to like release the OG like Team T two the arcade game and the Manhattan Project on NES Online along with Turtles in Time on SNES Online. Proper actually, online classic beat 'em up action. Didn't they actually do? Like I was gonna say, I have to get through Konami and there's a licensing thing, but didn't they actually get to re-release it on the Wii? virtual console i think you're right did they might have of course i wouldn't have had online but yes that that i mean it's still just have. the fact of yeah. old license game being able the to get reissued is and, and turtles arcade was on the 360 i believe i'm almost it certain. was it, yeah it was called 1989 arcade and then they yep. also did a remake of turtles in time called turtles in time reshelled which was okay it wasn't terrible it wasn't great but yeah and and they as you yeah, good call derek they did release those on wii virtual console um, so it would be really nice if they could make that happen again, you know, to, with online for NES and SNES online. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, mm-hmm. but the most important thing though, is that these digital versions of the old NES games don't come with a personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. That's the, that's the worst part about them. <laughs> <I forgot laughs> is about that, that. 
Oh, I know, right? Like, it's it's so weird to think that NES games used to come with coupons like that that you could send in. I mean, for I a think that's why piece. I tossed the boxes away because it was cardboard and it yeah. came with stuff like that. I was like, oh, okay, it's just junk. I had just yeah. seen Keep the on Reddit last week that someone still had their Turtles uh, pan pizza coupon. And they, yeah, they were trying to figure out if they could get Pizza Hut to still honor it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> well, I wish went. they I could. I really need to find that thread, but I, I feel like if they had tweeted it instead of posting it on Reddit, like some saucy uh, community manager would have been like, "All right, come mm. on in, we'll give you a free yeah. pizza." Yeah. <laughs> totally. Hey, and, totally. I, if if I could, mm. I would. If I was like, if I had the authority and wouldn't get in trouble for honoring that, I would absolutely offer those coupons just going forward forever. Oh, yeah. If anyone ever brought brought them in. Um, God, I do I, want I still to... remember the beginning of the second movie where everybody's eating pizza, and that 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 is an advertisement for pizza if I've ever seen one. It's just that the opening of the second movie. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and when I when I was a kid, uh, like my my buddy and I, when we would order pizza, like we you know we were hanging out playing video games, we would always do the wait wait a moment to reflect, and then you know smell the pizza. Ah, no, my my TMNT fandom runs deep. You guys like uh, I, I'm so excited for this. It, it made me very happy when I saw uh, 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 Mac Muscles respond to the, the, the initial tweet uh, from Tribute Games to talk about this, and yeah. went like um, Bossa Nova, and then immediately other people responding to him, Chevy Nova, <laughs> Chevy Nova, it's like so so amazingly dumb, and I love it. Oh, uh, Jose Canseco Bat, tell me you didn't pay money for this. We can't do this. I will spend the rest of this whole discussion quoting TMNT. Hey, I can't. I, can't I, 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 mean, I did my best to slip in an Xbox segue for you, and you just moved past it, man. I did. Um, it's, it's because I got turtle fever. Um, it's a little, before a little we do too rough right now. <laughs> it's, it's true. Before we do move on to the next story, though, I want to extend a warm welcome to both Castle and Ditto M in the chat, both of whom are names I don't recognize. So thank you so much for joining our live audience. I think Ditto M's been here. You even mentioned their name before, just in Did passing I? Okay. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then my bad. I see so many names. But either way, we're happy <laughs> to have you here. Uh, and Castle, I do want to say I agree with you. Uh, you said a comic zone style for the dialogue would be so cool. Mm. Hell yeah, it would. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. As long as very, it doesn't have... Cool. Yeah, I was going to say, as long as it doesn't have that difficulty of Comic Zone oh, oh, integrated so, into yes. the gameplay. So <laughs> yeah. Agreed. I, I I remember getting to the final boss. I can't remember if I actually beat it. I The one it's, thing I have to point out, though, is Comic Zone has the most 90s-ass protagonist. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, the God, yeah. Like, the hair and the small circuit. I had a friend who dressed like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, he uh, he's single. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> <laughs> And also uh, the the, uh, the 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 main character's name Sketch Turner. That is so nineties. Oh man, I couldn't even remember that. That's nineties. Oh, you're you're just one vowel vowel away from Skitchin. Oh saying. man, you're right, <laughs> Skitchin Turner, his long lost brother. Oh, I love it. Uh, okay, so Ditto M is just imposter. Uh, so of course, okay. yeah. Thank thank you for the reminder. Ditto M uh, says I'm just imposter. I changed my name because Among Us ruined the word imposter. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry to hear that. I feel for you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we could talk about turtles all day. Ninja turtles, of course, not just regular turtles. But we do have more news to talk about. Right. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the next story. Get that up on screen. Sketch on over. And Team Xbox has officially, well, Phil Spencer specifically, has officially welcomed uh, Bethesda to Team Xbox. The purchase is final. It's happened. It's done. The ink is dry. Bethesda is officially part 
of Team Xbox. And uh, along with this, we have gotten confirmation that uh, so, some more Bethesda games are going to be coming to Game Pass this week. And Microsoft has also confirmed that some future Bethesda games are going to be exclusive to Xbox and PC, which no surprise there, right? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I'm not the biggest Bethesda guy myself, so uh, does anybody want to talk about how this, you know, how this is landing for them? Uh, I mean, well, you guys, Steve. Yeah, I mean, I've played a lot of Bethesda games. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Bethesda, though. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, I like Doom. I like, uh, I like playing Fallout in ways that it's not intended to be played. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I will, I will do, I, they're okay. I mean, but they're, they're a studio that I understand makes good things, but those good things don't resonate very much with me personally. And I think that's stated. probably the best way to put it. Like, I, I even picked up Skyrim for the Switch. I actually own an incredibly rare copy of Skyrim with a creepy story attached to it. Oh. Um, this was back okay, during okay. my days writing for Nintendo Life um, when I was their U.S. editor for a time. And I, I, I shit you not, this is the scariest thing that's ever happened to me in games journalism. I got a knock on the door, and I took my sweet that's... time answering it. I walked up, opened my front door, and there was a leather-bound package sitting on my doorstep. No shipping label. <laughs> oh, God. And nice. I was like, what is this? And I t- it was bound with rope. Like, it, it was wrapped in leather and had cord, like, rope tied around it. And I was like, oh, if I'm going to die, I mean, I'll do it in the kitchen. And so I take <laughs> it to the kitchen. <laughs> this is the way to go. And I unwrap it, and there's just uh, there's a series of postcards and a copy of Skyrim for the Switch. Physical, of course. And mm-hmm. there's no note. I don't know who sent it. There was nothing with it. Just this copy of Skyrim. And I didn't think much of it. I popped it in. I played it. I bounced off it. It's, again, Skyrim's not my game. You know, I, I got the Master Sword and I got the Champion's Tunic. And I was like, oh, this might make the game more fun for me. And I was like, I just feel like link if link had a severe case of scurvy i'm gonna put it down (laughs) and i I filed it away and it wasn't until almost a year and a half later that i was doing coverage for the switch Lite for gx and i decided to make a mural out of switch game cases on my table um and just pan across it during the video and some like big skyrim fan noticed my copy and they're like why does your copy of skyrim look so weird and so i took pictures of it and it's like a one-off <laughs> that nobody else has. Like wow. it comes, it, it, the packaging cool. is completely different, and I, I never knew it because I didn't care. So I have this really weird, rare print of Skyrim that I still don't quite know where it came from. <laughs> so there you go. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So that does. Go ahead. It's it's interesting, but yeah. That's it. Kind of reminds story. me of the <laughs> marketing angle that that EA took with. Um... Dante's Inferno, where they were trying to do, like oh. emphasize all the different sins and be like, "That's weird." It's, it's uh-huh. a little yeah. This, it's yeah. not strictly game related, but it does remind me of of what, in hindsight, I thought was fantastic marketing. I I will always for, uh, remember this. I don't know what year it was, but one year after San Diego Comic Con, I was leaving. Uh, you know, I would go to I used to go to STCC every year and before times uh, to work either work the show or cover it, whatever. And one year I was leaving, uh, the last day it was Sunday, and I saw a cardboard box, just an unattended cardboard box on the sidewalk that, that people were just walking right past and not really noticing. 
but it had a bunch of unmarked VHS tapes in it. And <laughs> me being just, you know, curious, probably too curious for my own good, I'm like, wait a minute, there's an unmarked box of just blank VHS tapes on the sidewalk at Comic-Con? I have to know. I have to take oh, no. one of these tapes back and just see. <laughs> I have to, right? And that knowing full well that I might regret my decision. Um, so I, I get the tape home, and I'm just so curious. I pop it in. It was the ring tape before anyone knew what the ring wow. was. Oh, it was geez. great viral marketing. It was so good. And so, of course, not having any co- any context for what the ring even was, I was creeped out, and I showed my dad, and he was like, you know, it's probably just some just some highfalutin art student trying to express themselves or something. And I'm like, yeah, you're you're probably right, Dad. Turns out it was the ring. But yeah, imagine watching that tape and having no context for what the hell it even was. It was a little oh, unsettling. Yeah. I my my mind was immediately drawn to that scene in Forty Year Old Virgin where they're talking about the dude's box of, of videos and they're like, oh, you know, God. if you spray that stuff where you could see bodily fluids, they're like, you could see yeah. that from space. Oh no! God. I, I, it's like I, I knew. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, I, I knew, and I, I definitely like I sanitized the tape. I washed my hands thoroughly. <laughs> like I, I knew what I could be getting into, and thankfully you're, that's not what I was getting you're into. You're such you're you're such a trusting spirit, Ash. I respect mm-hmm. that so much about you because if I saw a crusty box with some VHS tapes in it, my last oh. thought would be like, let's see what's on these. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. It's less than I'm trusting and more than I'm just too curious for my own good. I am way <laughs> too curious. I didn't think that whatever was, up was on that tape was probably going to be kosher. I figured it was probably <laughs> either something creepy or just porn, but I was just so curious. <laughs> I was saying, how do you not be curious about that? At least me. So I had to take it home and I'm glad I did. But uh, but yeah, it was it was more... It was less trust and more just wanton curiosity that, that probably is not always a good thing. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I, I was actually looking at uh, like because you know if we're getting titles, I'm gonna guess if we're gonna get stuff that's exclusive to Xbox, I almost wonder if we're getting stuff that maybe isn't um, the big th- news because I feel like they know that like you know we should probably put Doom on multiple systems, <laughs> not make it exclusive because right. that's that's a good way to have some a bit of pushback. I don't know, uh, but I was, so I was like looking into like their old stuff and I was like, hey, that will actually you know. Uh, work with HD as well, and I didn't. Re- I kind of forgot that they're all right. They're mostly PC, <laughs> so that's a bust. Right. I don't know what they could bring back though. You know, I. I, keep, I mean, I keep thinking oh, about this acquisition. What purpose does it serve beyond, uh, you know, giving them more ammo in the ongoing console war? Like it, it I feel like more things than not are going to be exclusive. Like you're not going to want to spend. Mm untold billions and then have the next elder scrolls be on ps5 i I feel like that's just a move that you wouldn't want to make if you invested that kind of cash Uh, i feel like this is this is a move that will strengthen not the xbox but x cloud and as microsoft transitions from a company that makes games for a specific piece of hardware they're going to, you know, to a company that is provides a game streaming service. I, I, I could see them putting X Cloud on the PS5 and saying, "Hey, if you want to play the next Elder Scrolls, it is it is tied to our ecosystem, and you can either a buy an Xbox for five hundred bucks, or b give us twenty something dollars a month and play it on your PlayStation." Mm-hmm. But I, I see them chasing chasing kind of technically unlocking it by letting people play within their ecosystem on competing devices 
but not directly porting their stuff to those devices so that they get the continued revenue instead of the person that's going to throw them 70 bucks one time and then not look at them again. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I think that's a, that's a strong take. And I do wonder if, if the fact that Microsoft and Nintendo are clearly not afraid of being in bed together, if we might see that reflected in, in differently on Switch availability versus PlayStation. Like probably not, especially with the xCloud angle that you were saying, Steve, but I just, I do wonder if there is a chance that we could, uh, you know, see Microsoft being a little more willing to have Nintendo support for future Bethesda games over PlayStation support. I think that you're totally right on that. I think that Microsoft, for better or worse, does not see Nintendo as a meaningful competitor. I think they see them as somebody who can complement their strategies. So, you know... Microsoft has long made it known that they have zero interest in the portable gaming market, which, all right, (laughs) that doesn't make sense, but okay. Um, Sure. And they have been awfully close with Nintendo. We've said that a lot over the years. So I feel like if Microsoft were going to let Bethesda's IPs be on a competing platform, that there is a far higher likelihood that it would be the Switch, because they definitely see the PlayStation as like they're primary enemy in this field right now right Mm. and i mean and i think that's a i think that's a fair uh, a fair approach just because you know i mean yes i guess there is the the idea that they don't see nintendo as a serious competitor but i look at it more as they understand that nintendo's as they have always done are marching to the beat of their own drum they're doing their own thing they're chasing a different market than playstation is and i think even a lot of nintendo fans would say that you know you you Unless you're only into Nintendo, you're best served by having whatever Nintendo's console is at the time and either a PlayStation or an Xbox, because then you kind of have access to most everything. Not everything, but most everything. It makes, for example, it makes a lot more sense to have a Switch and a PS5 or a Switch and an Xbox than it does a PS5 and an Xbox, right? So it's just a different market that Nintendo's going after, and I think Microsoft recognizes that. And at the end of the day, we win. You know, consumers, critics, we win because we get to have Xbox games on Switch, or at least the occasional Xbox game on Switch. So it works out for us best in the end. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see how it all goes. I am curious how it's all... Because the first time they announced something is completely exclusive exclusive to the Series X, uh, hell is going to be raised. Like, people know it's coming doesn't matter it's all depends on which game elder scroll 6 oh yeah they're gonna be upset doom 3 oh yeah they're gonna be upset maybe the only one they could get away with uh that nobody really cares about rage 3 (laughs) yeah right (laughs) good point um all right well uh i think we've we've pretty much uh tapped this subject out so let's go ahead and move on to a wildly different news topic uh than one we just talked about let's go ahead and get that up on screen and this comes right out of WTF world. Build-A-Bear, of all companies, is launching an Animal Crossing New Horizons collection. That's about it. That's this is just, not this is not WTF to me. This is complete. Yeah. Like, it makes complete sense. I mean, it, they, it have makes sense. Yeah. they have Pokemon uh, tie-ins as well. This is Build-A-Bear. Like, okay, sure. this is like the hottest thing on the Switch. Kids love it. There's a lot of mm-hmm. very plushable characters in here. We're making this happen. <laughs> Right. This is pure. I, I think it was more just like the sudden. I just it just kind of came out of nowhere. Oh. But yes, in terms of yeah, in terms of thematic, it makes sense that, that of course there's precedent for this. Uh, HG, we haven't heard heard from you in a bit. Are you an Animal Crossing fan at all? Does this does this uh, pique your interest? Yeah, I would say 
like I don't know how you could be a fan of Animal Crossing because it's such a weird entity, you know. <laughs> mm. But like, there's not much to it. But I have been playing the newest one just during the pandemic, just for something to do for some routine. It was very helpful for me. Um, but I think it's going to really corner, like you, you kind of already alluded to, like a really great market. But kids and adults alike, I know a lot of folks that are my age, like in their late twenties, mid thirties, that really love Animal Crossing and and not even just from like the earlier installments, but they brought so many characters back in New Horizons. I think it's really going to be a popular thing. I don't know how many they're going to be releasing or who they're going to be releasing specifically, but of my friends online, I know that there are a lot of fan favorites out there. So they're really going to hit the nail with that one, I think. Who do I you think want? so too. Like you, you walk into Build-A-Bear, who, do you, who are you looking for? <laughs> Well, you know, if I have to say what Build-A-Bear stuff I own, <laughs> I have a Snoopy <laughs> from Charlie Brown. Ooh, um, I love it. And, and I have a Baby Yoda, even though I haven't seen The Mandalorian. But if I was going for something from Animal <laughs> Crossing, I don't know. I think a lot of people really like uh, Celeste. A lot of people, mm. they, they oh, kind of yeah. like, they like Tom Nook. They don't really like Tom Nook, you know. But um, yeah, like there's some of the really old school characters from the GameCube generation that they keep bringing back around. And I wouldn't know those folks off the top of my head because I didn't play the GameCube one too much myself, but there's some very deep lore there that I can see really being a great market for those that are longtime fans or even just brand new fans as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead. Oh, I just, I think this, this kind of, as you said, HG, I think this, this appeals to a few, a couple different audiences, not just new animal crossing fans, but legacy animal crossing fans who grew up with the series and are now in their 30s late 20s this just seems like a slam dunk for build-a-bear in terms of how many people this could possibly appeal to and i think this just absolutely makes perfect sense oh yeah um wolf x blake in the chat said steve can use the use his children as an excuse to get a rover plush and i am absolutely going to do that Uh, 100 i will drag my children there kicking and screaming so that i can buy something um no, it, there's no secret that Rover is, like, my favorite character. I see a lot, a lot of love for Raymond uh, from New Horizons, mm-hmm. too. Like, the cat with mm-hmm. the with the bi-colored eyes. Oh, yeah. Typically dresses yeah, in business the, the, attire. The glasses. A lot of people yeah. weirdly interested in that cat. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know if that's a, I, I do feel like they'll skew a little bit more towards kids this time around. I don't know if they'll get a lot of the minor ones, but it feels like Isabel, Nook, uh, KK, yeah. Those are the like big ones. Uh, what's mm. the owl, what's the owl's uh, name? Um, oh, um, I think he has a good chance. Uh, oh, it's Lathers. Lathers. Yeah, Lathers. That's it. Sorry, I was the one I'm hoping because we were just talking about Celeste, and I was like, "That's the owl." Um, <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> right. The one I'm hoping for. My my favorite Animal Crossing villager is Reese. I've always liked Reese. I think she's adorable, and and I, and I love Reese and Cyrus together. But I just think Reese is just adorable as all hell. So. Uh, I would love to see that, to see her part of this lineup. But I know she's also not like part of the tier A villagers necessarily, like Isabel and Nook and all that. So mm-hmm. I don't expect it to happen, but a, a Reese version would be pretty cool, I think. I agree with that. I would I would love to see Reese. Um, I'm wondering if they have a list. I'm checking out the, nope, nothing. Just notify me when they're nope. available. So we'll mm-hmm. see. I'm, I'm right. at least going to keep an eye on this. My kids love Animal Crossing. Literally... Uh, three of my four kids own their own copy of Animal Crossing at this point. Oh my so. gosh! <laughs> well, that explains why there's so many yeah. uh, copies sold. Yeah, we're we're a <laughs> five Animal that. Crossing player household at this point. 
which is a terrifying notion like my my kids will come up to me and be like do you have any uh clay i need to build something i'm like i'm i'm not thinking about this right now (laughs) (laughs) nice nice uh, all right. Well, we mentioned earlier that we were talking about uh, before the show about how the PS1 and, and PS2 are considered retro consoles. And this next story is the reason for that. So let's go ahead and get that up on screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that is that NIS America has announced Prinny Presents NIS Classics Volume 1 for the Switch. And it includes two games, the PS1's Phantom Brave, as well as the PS2's Soul Nomad and the World. I'm pretty games. sure P- Phantom Brave came out on the PS2. Did it? Oh, my bad. Oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. It is. Yeah, they're both PS2 games. My bad. I got Phantom my, Brave my also, NIS. Like, came out on yeah. Wii, if I remember correctly. It did. There was a I Wii know. release of Phantom Brave. I do remember that. Uh, yeah, so so my bad. I got my NIS titles mixed up. But uh, yeah, I did play Phantom Brave, but I have never heard of Soul Nomad. So I'm kind of like, I, I, I get half this collection, the other half I'm a little clueless on. Uh, but this is the first time, of course, either of these titles has been available on Switch. It's coming this summer. Um, and I know one of my best friends is a diehard NIS America fan. This guy like is like his favorite thing. He loves the printies. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be losing his mind for this. Um, but have, any, have has anyone here played either of these games prior? I have. I, I went through an NIS phase when I first encountered Disgaea and I would pick mm-hmm. up a lot of their stuff. But the other thing with this guy is their games are long. <laughs> like mm-hmm. There is so much stuff to do in each of them. It kind of kind of got burned out. But I remember being really interested in Phantom Brave in particular because this is the one where I believe, if I'm, if I'm remembering the game right, you play a soul who possesses objects and it kind of determines how you move. Like there's no classic grid in this, in this one, uh, the strategy game. So it's more a circular base and you can move certain degrees and change up what you're effective against and weak against, um, depending on what you possess. I think that's how it works. Um, so I'm, I am kind of interested in that. Cause I always look back at, uh, the, the PS2 era. I was like, oh, I wish I had picked that one up. Cause it always, it seemed pretty interesting. Um, but I'd love to see them also bring back La Pucelle tactics, which was another yeah. really fun one. That one I played, I think, all the way through. Phantom Brave, I think I only played maybe several hours of. Uh, but yeah, La Puchel, I I played all the way through the original Disgaea. Yeah, kind of like you, Derek. I went through an NAS phase and I, that I kind of just got over fairly quickly. Uh, I think just because they continue to kind of make games that fall into a genre that don't always appeal to me. But you can't deny the quality of the games they make. And that's the, you know, the reason they've endured so long. I mean, I think we just, Disgaea 6 is coming out, I think, yep. this summer. Yeah, so clearly... I, I haven't played a Disgaea game since 3. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Disgaea 5 is far and away my favorite in the series. It is it is wow. really time. Yeah, and I've played all of them. So okay. I, would, I would strongly, strongly... If you like anime, and I know you do, I recommend <laughs> 5. Yes, we are all big anime fans here. Uh, however, we haven't talked about the most important part about Phantom Brave, which is the fact that one of its main characters is named after me. Obviously, there's somebody on the development team over at uh, over at NAS who just is a huge, huge Ash Balson fan. No, but there actually is a main character in this game named Ash, and that's pretty cool. Um, so you know, there is that as well. But uh, I, I have never played Soul Nomad, no, Soul Nomad though, nor have I ever even heard of it. I, I have yeah, not no, either. I've not. I, I just saw this Ash. Uh, you the other Ash is voiced by Lex Lang, who's notable for being Cortex in the Crash games. So. Oh, cool. Okay. That's a, that's a fun thought, especially with your yeah. thoughts on Crash. <laughs> right, right. Hey, you know what? That Like I said during that state of play, uh, I really want to check out the PS5 version of Crash 4. I may not be a fan of the character, but I can't deny how gorgeous and fun that game looks. So 
I may yet. I may. He may yet win me over, Crash. Who knows? We'll you know, see. I have to point out, since we're talking about NIS, it is there's more credence to your theory that they are fans of you than you think. I remember very <laughs> specifically at the last E3 we were at, uh, where NIS inexplicably gave me a lot of curry to take home. <laughs> but, Ooh, yeah, nice. they gave me they gave me like cook at home curry, and then the uh, TSA confiscated it. It really sucked. I was so oh. I was so heartbroken. I was like, I'm ready to go home and eat this right now. E3's over. That's but so sad. They previewed a game for me, and I wish I could remember the name. But it's like a it's a shoot 'em up. But the main character was named Ash, and in the opening <laughs> scene, he kills a Nazi. Well, you oh, I mean, I, I'm just saying. I'm into both those things. I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, NIS has your back. You should you should probably reach I guess out so, and let them know that you'll waive your uh, traditional appearance fees or something. I'm sad because I just I figured I'd give it a go, and I just Googled shmup ash Nazi. Nothing came up. The only thing that came up was <laughs> Wolfenstein Youngblood, so that didn't work, work out. <laughs> I really go. want to know what it is. I want to know what this game is, though. Like, I I'm will, so I curious. Will, I have friends at NIS. I'll reach out to them and get them to remind me what, what it was. I know during I'm the so same curious. event, I previewed La Mulana 2 and some other games, but NIS always has the best previews because, one, they never do them at E3. They do them at a restaurant. And so they feed you the whole time you're playing the games. And it's just like a casual chill. Like you get off the show floor, you get to actually sit down and, and take a breath. It's, it's more companies should take note of this. You don't need to feed me every yeah. time, but if you take me away from the show floor for my preview and actually let me sit in a proper chair, I will, I will be grateful. <laughs> yes. If, if shows ever happen again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. HD, do you have much experience with uh, this era of RPGs or just NAS in general? No, none at all, actually. I would say the only PlayStation 2 RPG I've ever really touched is Final Fantasy Tet, and that's it. So, mm. And that I mean, might have even been a little earlier on than some of these releases. I've never heard of either of these. So, yeah, unfortunately. Very anime, very... Um off the beaten path. Like I was looking at, yeah. I was reading a little quick uh, Wikipedia thing on Soul Nomad. And apparently I, I'm only skimming, so I don't get the full breadth of it, but apparently you have a choice. Like when you visit villages, you could either try to recruit NPCs from there, or you could just outright attack them and steal all their crap. <laughs> so I know which one I know. would choose. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> thought of you. I, I was actually looking through the NIS's uh, backlog of stuff that they've released before. And, uh, you know, it'd be kind of cool to get Rhapsody, uh, Musical Adventure. That was a PS1. That'd be kind of cool. It was, I think it was ported to DS as well. I forget. I believe it was. Um, it was a cool game, too. Way too easy, which was like its only main thing. Because I played the game, mm-hmm. and I quite enjoyed it, but it's just way too easy. That's There's also... The, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to ask us the music RPG, right, I think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't played it, but I've seen a review or two on it, and it looked really cool. Yeah, it was really neat. I, I, I remember enjoying my time with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grim Grimoire is another one that uh, gets. Uh, I've always been. I never picked it up or even looked at it, but it was uh, the art style on the cover always kind of pulled me in. And mm-hmm. oh, well, that explains it. I just clicked on it just to get some idea of why. It's a George Kamatani. Uh, it's a Kamatani thing who did um, uh, Dragon's Crown. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, you know all the recent ones. So there's gotcha. that's a good one <laughs> to do. 
Uh, it's funny. Uh, I, I was looking at the, I was comparing the release dates uh, between Phantom Brave and FF Tactics, and just kind of to, in response to what you were saying, HG. And it's, as we've surmised, FF Tactics came way before, of course, being a PS1 game, uh, and Phantom Brave is a PS2 game. They came out in 2004. FF Tactics came out in 97. So clearly a huge gulf there. But it's just, it's gotten me thinking about how interesting it is that retro, the idea of retro means so many different things to just as many different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm thinking of a, of a meme that I just retweeted last week, I believe, about Final Fantasy. And it's like, you know, what you think Final Fantasy was 20 years ago. And it shows a screenshot of FF4. And then it says what Final Fantasy actually was 20 years ago. And it's FF10. And it's it's weird because I fall into that top, that, that top part where, oh yeah, FF20 years ago, 16-bit, 2D, yeah, but that's not actually what it was. It was um, it was the the PS2's FF10 20 years ago. That's mm. also considered retro, and it's wild to me that yeah. it is. I uh, I I have issues with that. <laughs> like, it is, <laughs> sure. it is a stark reminder of your own mortality to find out exactly that, that uh... you're about 10 years late to the party. But I I honestly have just I don't know what it is, but I don't think I'll ever classify a console that I played after exiting college and having a job as retro i just don't think i can wrap my head around that concept like i i look at sega master system nes snes you know probably up to the 32-bit era and then i'm like okay that's that's enough like that's me kind of how i yeah yeah and Uh past that i'm like well i mean those all seem kind of modern to me (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean anything for me past the ps oh sorry Go, go ahead hg Oh, I was just going to say, like, that's also completely the world that I live in, because I kind of lived under a rock between, like, I had NES and Genesis and Game Boy growing up, and then nothing at all, and didn't, like, I I played the games I had as a kid pretty much all those years, and then I got a PlayStation 2 on my 16th birthday in 2002 or something like that, and it was mind-blowing. I remember, like, even playing PS1 games on PS2 and a couple of PS2 games eventually, it, it floored me. I'm like, wow, this is so different. Like, this is like a movie. And there was so much mm-hmm. more, like, mm-hmm. imagination kind of sucked out of it, I guess, because the games would tell you so much more in their visuals and in their music than you could ever have had before that. But I, I'm still, like, now, just even still playing retro and sometimes dabbling, like, playing Skies of Arcadia right now, which is Dreamcast. Like, for me, mm-hmm. that still feels modern in my mind. So, yeah, I totally hear that sentiment of that. That call to mortality and the the oh no why am I why am I so behind all the time in, in gaming but you're never gonna catch up you know no yeah right I, I couldn't we got the backlogs to prove it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I, I mean, mean for me oh go ahead Steve oh I was just gonna say I mean if I if I truly truly evaluate my backlog like there there are SNES games that I still need to get to yeah which is same again yeah. terrifying. <laughs> Like, yeah, I haven't made it out of my 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 first full decade of life worth of video games yet. See, I've always imagined retirement as that time to finally catch up on your backlog. I, you know, okay, hold on, real talk. This is going to get <laughs> scary. I think about this a lot. I think about all the games that I want to play and all the time I don't have to play them, and the fact that I am steadily approaching retirement age. Right at the same mm-hmm. death march we all are part of, and I I worry. I worry that by the time I retire, by the time my kids are grown and I've got my house to myself and no more day job and, and maybe not even doing this, who knows? Maybe people mm-hmm. will want to see 66-year-old Steve Bowling shouting at a cloud. <laughs> but 
<laughs> I, I think about when I'll have the free time I imagine I'll have and then just being too arthritic and tired to like hold a controller oh, don't do that. To, to do this stuff. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I play fighting games and I'm like, man, my, my reflexes aren't what they used to be. Like, you know, I can't compete with younger people that, that know these games. And I'm like, that'll just get worse in 30 more years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, at what point do I just, you know, like just hang up the controller? And I'm terrified of that, but you know, nah, then I, see, then I, I see read. those, I see those 90 year old grandmas playing games. That's and like, what that's I was going to say. I see these, yeah, I see like I mean, 95 year old granny playing dragon quest. I'm like, all right, I, if they have to give me cybernetic eyes and robot knuckles, I'll do it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm never given up. Exactly. I mean, I think I just, as long, I mean, yeah, you're not always going to be able to compete for sure, but I think as long as you're still having fun and enjoying yourself, you're never going to age you know, out of games. That would be an excellent like campaign to get people to be more healthy and active. Just be like, think about all the video games you won't be able to play if you don't exercise now. <laughs> like, think about, so think about all the lazy crap you won't be able to do when you're an old person <laughs> because you're lazy yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you folks, like I saw a while ago, some of you have some, some games in your possession. Like, do you folks collect a lot? Because on that vein, I, and I'll, I'll let you answer that first, actually, before I go on there. I, I I didn't get rid of many games growing up, so I've just um, collected naturally over time. So yeah, I have quite the I have about three three shelves worth uh, double stacked. I used to collect games and 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 like game memorabilia and and like limited editions and things like that. I don't know exactly. I I didn't officially stop ever, but I just stopped having room for it all. And so now I'm I'm especially with the Switch, I'm more likely to buy digital. Um, the switch kind of, I, I always, I was like one of those holdouts against digital. Like I loved owning physical games mm-hmm. and I still do, but something with the switch specifically kind of pushed me more into digital. And so now I don't really buy every game physically anymore. I'm very specific and selective about the, the collector's editions I get usually square Enix ones, maybe some Nintendo ones, but I don't, I don't collect like I used to No. The, the other tricky part about collecting is like, um, you get the with us being in this business sometimes you know it's just a Crimea River type problem, but as far as physical collecting goes, uh you get a game early it's gonna be digital. well, I already have it. Why am I gonna go out and buy it just to have that physical copy? I've done well, it a few right. times, but I don't I, <laughs> normally I exist as the counterweight to that um so i I will say first off, um I'm with Ash and with Derek a little bit. um there are a lot of games I don't pick up. I've never ever 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 been a completionist when it comes to collecting because I just don't have the money to do something like mm-hmm. that. Um, the mm-hmm. financial means don't exist for me to just say, I'm going to own every game for this console. As much as I, I respect the dedication it takes to do that. And I love seeing like on Instagram, people's photos of their game rooms and they've just got shelves of games. I love that. I would be at complete peace in a room like that. Um, me but too. I also, I also have to have yeah. the grace to accept that I will never own that room because I just don't have that kind of cash. Um, so I've limited my collecting to the series that I love the most in the world. Um, those are Mario, mm-hmm. uh, Zelda, and Fantasy Star, and Shenmue. And those are like the three series that whenever a core mainline thing comes out, um, I will buy whatever collector's edition, whatever physical good there is for that game um but outside of those those four series i i have to for uh exercise restraint gotcha sure. 
Yeah. So the reason why I was asking was just to kind of get a feel in the room for for collecting in general. And like I collect, my spouse and I both collect quite a lot. And um, just tying back to the whole like mortality idea, a couple of years ago, I actually bought someone's collection. So talking about hanging up the controller, there was a man who was kind of in his 50s who wanted to part ways with all of his physical games because he had had a friend that had passed away. And I think his family just tossed out his prized possessions without really consulting, without trying to sell. And so this guy was kind of moved by that entire thing and said, well, we just really want the collection to go to somebody who's going to keep it, take care of it, use it. And so we ended up with one of probably one of my very favorite game collecting adventures where we went and we picked it all up for a couple of hundred bucks and I got some really wonderful stuff from him. And just just that whole concept of like getting to that point in life and being ready to move on in part ways, it, it feels like so foreign to me in my mm-hmm. 30s now, like being so swept up in gaming and like playing through my backlog and getting into more modern stuff, quote unquote modern stuff as I go along here. But but yeah, it, it is going to be a reality. I think that a lot of us are going to have to face someday if we are collectors and you know where does that stuff go that's a totally different topic and i'm not trying to obviously diverge too far from <laughs> no, from what you I folks mean, are thinking about this, but this i did want to share stuff. that yeah no I, this is a fascinating topic and and one that i i think about a lot more than i wish i did uh i, I think about well this is getting really dark but yeah i think about <laughs> the, my you know mortality and and my my gaming future as i get older and I, it's weird because I also I don't see myself ever getting over gaming. I always see myself existing in and around and working in and around gaming. But at the same time, it's so hard for me to picture sixty-year-old me chilling and playing whatever the, the the latest Mario or Mega Man or whatever game is. Even though I know I will be, it's just such a it's a it's a really hard thing for me to visualize. You know, see, I can totally see it for myself because I have, you know, I. I I've made, you know, the whole gaming thing my job. I've had rough times, you know, with involving this job. And yet my passion for games is still there. I still love this hobby. I still want to talk mm-hmm. about games all the time. So, yeah, it's going to stick around for a while. Yeah. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. You know, there was just a um, there was a point in my life when I was in my early 20s. And I had just got my first corporate job. I was working for Apple. And I thought that that was, you know, as, as most uh, early 20-year-olds think, I thought that I, I had to have my life figured out, that I had to know where I was mm-hmm. going and what I was doing. And I had recently uh, decided I was giving up on my dream job of, of writing for a games magazine because... It just wasn't in the cards. I didn't live in the right area. I didn't, you know, online games journalism wasn't really a thing that paid the bills back then. And, uh, you know, because I'm old. And uh, <laughs> I had reached a point where I thought that, you know, okay, I've got my corporate nine to five. I've got myself set up. I have a 401k. I'm, I'm investing money, this kind of stuff. Uh, this is where I say goodbye. And I, I start just being a grown up. <laughs> and uh, it took maybe four months for me to figure out that life just ain't like that. You know, that uh, people people don't operate that way. You don't just give up things because it's time. Um, and I ended up meeting a group of like-minded people within Apple who all loved Nintendo and 
Uh, they had like a mailing list. It turned out there was this huge, huge, huge subculture at Apple's corporate headquarters <laughs> where people wow. just got together and talked about Nintendo and played Double Dash. And, uh, you know, when the DS came out, there was email threads going back and forth within the company, like talking about how cool it was and people setting up, uh, you know, lunchtime playdates and stuff to go play multiplayer games. And I was like, oh, you don't you don't have to do this. I think the the thing that we see as a generation is that we are the first generation that is going to grow old gaming mm-hmm. uh you know the people right. that we see in their 60s and above are typically people in positions of power within gaming companies because they were adults when we were kids and they were making the games we played and now we're the first generation that has kind of been raised with video games and we're going to be the first generation to grow old with them too you know to to go from childhood all through life with with video games and so i think it's kind of this thing where we kind of have a difficulty imagining it because the the are the parents not been done before our lives didn't do it right i mean i yeah i mean i you know i started with the nes and i know that there is a you know there's a half step behind me who started with the atari 2600 and ColecoVision and all that but we haven't really seen too many examples at least i haven't I, i don't know any anyone in my life who grew up before me playing on those consoles and are still playing games now. I don't know anybody who's had that experience. I, I can think of one experience. person off, off the top of my head I know that yeah. uh, had those older uh, games. Um, but, yeah, it's just not as common. And, and, and some people, you talk to other people, uh, like so, sort of similar HG story, uh, except different st- circumstances. When I was uh, trying to earn a little extra money uh, from a working at a local game store, uh, did a bunch of trade-ins, we had a guy come in, uh, I think it was when the PS4 was almost brand new or not. Yeah, yeah, it was brand new because the guy wanted to get a PS4 and Killzone Shadowfall or whatever it was, uh, well, the, the Killzone game for times. PS4. <laughs> and he traded in a massive, massive collection of NES and SNES games and other accessories and stuff on here. And I'm like, just almost appalled. Like, you're trading in all of this amazing stuff. For a PS4 and a okay game, and it just I, I was yeah. as I was ringing it up for him. I'm like, this is mine. This is mine. This is mine. <laughs> just staking uh-huh. my claim right away. It's how I got a copy of Final Fantasy. Got the gold cartridges of Zelda. Just laid claim to as much as I could. I think I got a Super Mario RPG. It was just as much as I could claim and I could afford to claim. And it's just weird. It's just weird to me to think about these people that have these great collections, but eh, they don't care. It's how a lot of these people who do uh, goodwill hunts find amazing games. I've never successfully done that myself, but I've heard stories of people finding amazing, uh, getting amazing finds at goodwills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to think about in the context that we're, we're living an experience that really, there is no, you know, ex- there's no, no one's lived it yet. Kind of as you, as you guys have been saying, yeah, it's unique. we are, are the first to, yeah, to kind of live out our whole lives uh, through every stage of life playing video games and, and growing old with them. And I know that I'll grow old with them as well. It's just hard to visualize because again, I don't really know anyone who has, and I don't think any of us really do. So yeah, man, I, I, talking about mortality though this sucks you, know, <laughs> you guys straight up this you know, sucks I, I, I like this though from on doodle people who are in their 20 in the 70s are now 70 and they hey they still like queen it isn't weird to not give up on what you love you know 
That yes. is very true. I think as mm-hmm. long as you're having a Beautiful. good time, you you never as long as you're having a good time, you're responsible. I mean, it goes that goes for any age, right? It's you know, video games are an all ages hobby. As long as you're having a good time and you're not, you know, making yourself destitute or or you don't have an you don't have an unhealthy relationship with games, who cares? Keep playing them, playing to your deathbed. I mean, yeah, there's there's no there's no uh, age limit on fun, right? And enjoying yeah. yourself and doing what you love. exactly. So, um, well. Speaking of retro, and I, and I use heavy air quotes for this, our last news story of the day uh, has, has something to do with something we talked about, I think, last week. So let's go ahead and get that up on screen. And uh, we did mention that Nintendo would be ending 3DS and 3DS XL repairs in Japan uh, at the end of the month, same day as Nintendo Doomsday. Turns out, however, they are ending repairs early uh, because, and I believe you said this originally, Steve, or at least posited this idea. Yeah, they ran out of spare parts. You were right, man. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. You mentioned that might be why they have to, to end repairs early. It might not just be a Nintendo Doomsday thing. And it turns out you're right. They are running out of spare parts. Uh, so these retro handhelds can no longer be repaired. Um, that's that's weird, man, to think, to think that the 3DS and the 3DS XL are old enough. That- Give it 10... 10- 15 years there's going to be classic places just repairing those class the art the nes the you know the snes just i'm sure it's still a thing right now but i think it's going to become more prominent as time mm. goes on oh making yeah sure I, these consoles can i saw this amazing amazing thing on online the other day it was a open source nes uh, motherboard and it was designed so that you could build yourself from scratch a brand new NES and you could use either an original NES processor that you harvested from a dead NES, or you could put in an FPGA like they do with those analog mini consoles and program it to behave the same way as an NES. It was wild. I, I watched a, like a YouTube video of somebody just from start to finish building a brand new Nintendo entertainment system in 2020. I was like, well, I feel unaccomplished now. <laughs> I can't go to my garage and build a brand new console when I feel like it. Right. Wow. But I made it through the video, and that's what counts. <laughs> right. Did you yeah. pick up a 3DS uh, HD? I did actually only get one. There was a store here that was closing down, and they were liquidating a lot of their handheld stuff. And so I ended up with one just because it was the right price. But I can't say I've played very much on it, except for maybe a little bit of Kirby. And that's about it. Yeah. I just don't really have... Yeah, I don't really do a lot of handheld gaming. Like, I'd prefer to just sit on my couch and, you know, bust out that CRT. But I, sure. I feel like as I've gotten older, my eyesight's gotten worse and the screens, they're big enough, but they're so small as well at the same time. And I'd just rather have a device that puts stuff onto a larger screen for me. I've worn glasses <laughs> my whole life and I'm sure I'm just on the cusp of needing bifocals. So it's oh, only no. a matter of time for me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, fortunately, I, I, I've not got, well, I wear contacts. I, I, I did wear glasses once on stream. I typically don't wear glasses on camera, but I, I am as nearsighted as they come. So if it weren't for my contacts, I would need to be sitting right up against the TV, which would probably make my eyesight even worse. But um, I, it's just, it's wild to me that I, I can think, I, I very clearly remember when the 3DS was still coming out, the 3DS launch hype. And I'm just like, now we're talking about it's, you can't repair it anymore, because, or Nintendo can't repair it anymore because they run out of spare parts. It's just wild to me how fast time goes. Wild. 
Uh, you know, I, I do want to point out, just to, just to put a more positive spin on this, I don't think that this would necessarily be the case if we didn't have a worldwide transistor shortage. I, I think mm. that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we're having issues getting PS5s. We're having issues getting Xboxes. We're having, <laughs> I haven't seen a GPU in stock for a year. So I feel like that could definitely contribute to this and people just saying like, hey, we're already working our production lines to make current stuff. Like how big of a priority is 3DS replacement parts? Especially whenever, whenever a game came out on the 3DS, it's like, why isn't this on Switch? Yeah, right. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the whole world has moved on. So yeah, right. it, it, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, uh, I, I feel like it's a unnaturally short amount of time, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I see what mm-hmm. you're saying. Uh, we do have one minor thing to talk about still, but before we do, uh, I, I want to offer a little bit of GVG lore to, to everybody. Adam Davis in the chat a little while back said, all the homies love Ash middle name Paulson. And as I love, as much as I love the idea of my middle name being middle name, and that can be canon <laughs> if we want, my middle name is actually Todd. So if that helps, you can just say, yeah, Ash Todd Paulson. Now you know what my middle name is. There's a bit of GVG why, lore for why you. Why do you constantly have... Uh, Pokemon protagonist names. <laughs> it's Ash. weird, right? It's so weird. Yeah. Um, you have Black you have Ash, you have Todd, and you know Todd Snap, and then there was Paul in Gen Four anime. What's, so oh, okay. I, I'm not as familiar with the, the rival. With the anime's past. Okay, the rival. Oh, I forgot that's his name. That's so funny. Or or and you could also say I'm an evil ex. Eduardo Tena says Ash is an evil ex confirmed, oh, and yeah. that's. But I'm not a vegan, so I might. Yeah, have gonna say you're goal. far from vegan. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a vegan. So, uh, sci-fi lullabies asks, is Ash short for anything? Yes, Ashton. So Ashton's my full name, but I don't really love it, so I just kind of go by Ash. You, you could also call him Ash Toddy if you're feeling saucy. You could Ash Toddy. <laughs> you know what? I've never heard that. Uh, I've gotten I've gotten Ash Hole before, and I've gotten Ash Sprint, but I've never gotten Ash Toddy. I like that. <laughs> that's good um black ninja asks hey ash if you don't mind me asking what type of context do you use i used to have a hard type but they were dying out really fast drying out really fast so hard or soft same uh experience as you i used to have hard lenses hated them and switched to soft and i'm much happier with soft lenses now uh that said let's go ahead and move on to our last bit of uh not really news this is more of a psa so uh let's go ahead and get that about screen but uh for you resident evil fans out there do know that there is an email scam going out regarding Resident Evil Village and gaining an early access invitation to the game. Uh, the exact wording is uh, in Capcom's email that I received today is, Hi Ash, we're sending this message as we've been made aware that there are currently emails circulating that pretend to contain early access invitations to Resident Evil Village. The sender address is being displayed as no reply at Capcom.com. We want to inform you that these messages are not from Capcom and appear to be phishing attempts by an unauthorized third party. If you have received such a message, please do not download any files or reply and delete the message immediately. So that pretty much says it all right there. Just be careful. If you're a Resident Evil fan, don't fall for it. Don't give away any information. There is no official early access invite thing going out. And we just wanted to make sure you all are aware of that. Mm-hmm. So that, with that, that does finally bring us to uh, the end of our news for the day. Uh, but as always, before we sign out or, or head out, uh, HG, please tell our awesome audience where they can find your content. So you folks can find me over on twitch.tv, and the screen name there is Hungry Gurria, or over on YouTube, same screen name. I do retro reviews over there on games I've played on stream or off stream, and I just try to touch on things that are kind of 
niche, you know, not so over talked about. So trying to trying to corner a little bit of the internet for myself. <laughs> That's about <Nice>. it there. <laughs> Cool. Well, I just want to say thank you again on behalf of all of us for joining us for today's show. It was an honor having you on and would love to have you back. Yeah, Absolutely. thank you. Thank you all very much for thinking of me and reaching out. This was wonderful. I'm gracious for the opportunity. Yeah. and Of course. Well, I really want to point out just to just to underline uh, how much I love Hungry Korea's channel. It, it is like a window <laughs> into my childhood. Like looking at the videos, I can see a review of Zillion. Um, there's, there's this great video I watched, uh, it's, it's older, but it was, uh, eight NES favorites done master system style. And Ash, there is a Mega Man equivalent in that list. Uh -oh. So you definitely uh -oh. need to watch it. I really <laughs> love these videos because I grew up with just a master system, as y'all know, and to see somebody so faithfully covering a really, uh, undercovered console is, is really cool. There's also, um... I think the most recent video or the pinned video is about the Sailor Moon RPG uh, fan translation, which I just oh, cool. installed on my Super NES Classic like two days ago. So <laughs> that was a really weird coincidence to see it up there. Um, but yeah, it's it's awesome, awesome, awesome retro content. Um, and I, I can't recommend it enough. I subbed immediately. All y'all should do the same. Uh, I subbed on both Twitch and YouTube. So, and I, I, I'm... I have like two YouTube or two Twitch subs total. So that should tell you Aww. something about, nice. about how I feel about the content. So please go check her out both places. I promise you, you will be, uh, you will be rewarded for, with, for spending your time there. Yes. And uh, HG, I've already followed you on Twitter. I plan to sub on YouTube as well and check out uh, the, the list Steve mentioned. I'm excited. Right on. Yeah. And if you ever have any questions, you know, I'm no, I'm no expert in the master system, but I'm certainly enjoying my time in the library. That's for damn sure. So you know where to find me nice. anyway. Yeah. Nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Looking forward to checking it out. Yeah. Uh, well, as always, before we end, we have to give a special thanks to all of our patrons at the producer tier and above to, for helping to make this show happen because without your support, it would not be happening. And we wouldn't be having such a great time three times a week with such an awesome rotating panel of guests. And we really, really appreciate your support. Uh, however, we of course also have to offer a, an extra special thank you to all of our patrons at the executive producer tier and above. And those awesome people include Jared Edinger, Brandon Bovia, Rob Arman X, Dan and Twistle, Z Patty, Hyrule Hermit, Sky Blue Flames, Adam O'Sullivan, Richard Herrera, Michael Phone, Floating Mew, Aiko Carroll, Christopher, The D Pad, Vesmio, Waffle King, Nick Waterman, Jesse M, aka Kitty Kong Fax, Angel Martinez, Vedron Hotik, Makalau, John, Joshua Hunter, Evernight Studio, Benny Yao, Shadow the Cat, Alessia, Azrad127, Kin Rule09, Jake Pelka, Geller, Shiny Turkey, Joseph Rutkin, Titus Malvolio, Charlie Bird, Lucky Wonderfish, Top Dog 23100, Young Ben Kenobi, Charles Saz, Douglas Chomics, Andrew Medeiros, Aurum, Brady Power, Phantom 23, Scott Barber, Patrick Harrison, Becca, Fizzy Wig Hoyd, Rocks the Cat, Loyal Dingo, Flaming Highwayman, Sean Garrett, The Legend of Groose. I just have to say it like that. I don't know why Groose. I have to. <laughs> so good. Eddie B. Kai Ed. Kit Fisto. 
West Egg, Master Lynx, Sean Davis, Deneth, Jackson Jordan, Michael McCall, Matthew Wong, Ashish Joshi, Goron Amber, Straight Lace, Hubi, Wolf X Blake and Moon Macarons, Kane, Captain Finlandia, 60 Minutes and 60 Seconds, The Game Orb, Dano the Artist, Synchro Lord, Brainchild, Rosa Pardo Bowling. I'm sorry, Mom. I love you, Mom. Bye, Mom. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Dark, <laughs> Dark Umi 87, The Flying Tacos, Scuff 196, Skull Kid Tiger, AJB Cool, Ship Damage Mike, Jason Uloa, Jaden Buck, and finally, Phantom Project. And uh, if you're curious about uh, how you can join our live audience tier or become <laughs> part of our executive producer squad, head on over to patreon.com slash gvgaming where you can see all the different tiers in which you can support us. But of course, even if you don't and you just drop a like and subscribe on this video, we love you and we appreciate you all the same. You mean the world to us and we can't thank you enough for your support. So as always, thank you so much, everybody, and we will see you next time for today's news tonight. And until then, good night and good vibes. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Night. Bye.